preaching on workmanship and, um, or I like to call it workwomanship, um, workmanship and just talking about how we're designed and how we're made in Christ Jesus. And it's so important to know, uh, where you come from, what you're about, what your purpose is. It's, it's a quest that humanity has been on since the beginning of time to understand themselves. Um, you are a complex, I believe Casey said this, you are a complex being. And so we're going to continue on that journey today. And I believe today I'm going to give you some tools that are going to help you understand yourself a little bit better. Does that sound good? All right. Let me begin by reading a simple scripture that I believe Casey's quoted many times. It comes to us out of Ephesians 2.10 and it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good work, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Everybody say, I'm his masterpiece. I'm his workmanship. Let me pray here. Father, I thank you for every person today. Lord, who's come, who said, I'm seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness for my life this week. And today, I pray that they would be filled with faith, that they would be encouraged in their innermost being. And Lord, when we walk out of here today, we will be changed and transformed by the word of God. Amen. Amen. Well, I brought with me my kids. I was rifling in their toy closets last night and they just shake their head and they're like, man, we don't know what mom is up to. But I brought today a big old box of Legos and we're a Lego family at our house. We love it. I could probably send my kids to college on the amount of Legos that we have in our house. And we have the Legos that sit on the shelf that are perfect and pretty. And I hardly let them play with them because those things are expensive. But then we have the Legos that are like this. And these are what I call like the foot gashing Legos. Anybody stepped on Legos in the middle of the night? Yeah. My kids like litter them on the floor and I got to go tuck them in and you just use, yeah, there's nothing worse than stepping on Legos in the middle of the night. And if you haven't done it recently, go ahead and take this bag home with you and you just try it. It'll make you uh, search deep down in your soul. But anyway, so I brought this bag of Legos with me because um, as we've been talking about workmanship and Casey's touched on this, but I have to just go here for a few minutes is I want you all to tell me this is actually the pieces to something. And I'm going to give you, well, I'm not going to give you a hint yet. What do you think that this is? No, no comments from the first row. What do you think this is? It's a car. Okay. Yeah. Lego's famous for cars. Okay. A ship. Ooh. Okay. What, what kind of ship? You're right. It is a ship. A what? Oh, you guys are good. What makes you say it's a Star Wars ship? It's gray. Okay. So do you think maybe it's the Millennial Falcon? No. Sith Interceptor. Yeah, we also like Star Wars in our house. Okay, so you guys are all looking at the pieces of this. You're trying to make hypotheses uh, uh, hypotheses about what this is. Because guess what? You don't really know what it is unless you go to Lego and you say, all right, you put all these pieces in a box. I just spent $129 to purchase it. Now, what do you want me to build with this? What is this thing's purpose? And what is it? You cannot know what something is unless you go to the creator of it itself and ask what is it is. And see, as we live in a society that is denying the creator and denies that we are created beings, then we no longer know what we are. We no longer know what our purpose is. So see, what I do is I go to Lego when they do the box and I pull out the booklet. 
so that I can know what it is. This is known as, my son told me, this is Darth Maul's ship. Okay, kind of anticlimactic. This is Darth Maul's ship. Okay, and see, Lego knows that I cannot put this together on my own like this. Actually, this thing came apart. It came apart. And so I tried with my son. We sat for almost two hours searching all the gray pieces, putting them back into this bag. And I guarantee you this is not all the pieces, and this is not all the right pieces. And Lego knows that you need a book. And they go, there are 53 pages here telling me where every piece goes and why every piece matters and what its purpose and what its intentions are. If 53 pages will be devoted to Darth Maul's Lego toy ship, how much more the masterpiece of God that we are a complex being need to know how God has designed us and how he has fashioned us to function. Why every piece of the puzzle of our life matters. You know, in these ships, you'll look at them and they'll be like some little tiny two piece. And you're like, that doesn't matter, but it builds part of the foundation of this thing to make it work. Okay. So then let me ask you, what is the purpose of Darth Maul's ship? See, you can't know what something is unless you ask the creator. But you cannot know what the purpose is unless you ask the creator. So what's the purpose of Darth Maul's ship? Come on, Don. You guys are Star Wars fans. Darth Maul's ship. Destroyed what? Transportation. Okay, that's good. That's simple. What's the purpose of this? Come on, one more. War, okay? War against the galaxies. Mwah-ah, bidding of the dark side. Okay? To put it in the words of Toy Story, you are a toy car! Anybody remember that? Okay? Buzz thinks he's actually an intergalactic fighter. Remember that when he first comes up on Woody's bed? But guess what? He's a toy. And I'm here to tell you, this bag right here, its job is not to fight the galaxy. It is a toy. It is a toy. And we have people who do not understand their purpose or they're so busy trying to fulfill somebody else's or something else's purpose because they're not taking the time to get to know their creator who fashioned them with purpose and said, hey, let me tell you what you are and why you are here. God has designed each one of us to be at this point in history, living on planet Earth, living in Los Angeles, doing the jobs that we do because he has a purpose behind it. But we cannot know that purpose unless we go to him. All right. And Casey's actually already preached all of that today or in the last couple of weeks in Jeremiah one five, it says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you and I've ordained you and I sanctified you as a prophet to the nations and drink here. God has a plan. And he has a design when he made, let's look at the creator for a second and let's look at how we were made and how it affects our purpose. Now I read all of Genesis one at a different week and I read it super fast. So I'm not going to read the whole thing again. You can watch that speed reading at your leisure online in Genesis one twenty six. God uses the phrase, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. All right. This is the beginning. Nothing exists. Who in the world is God talking to? Let us make man in our image. God is up there having a party with somebody. Does anybody know who it is? He's up there using 
plural pronouns, but there's nobody else on the planet. He's saying, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. And then in verse 27, it says, so God created human beings in the image, in his own image, in the image of God, he created them male and female. We are the only aspect of creation that has been created in the image of God. We are the only thing, you know, when you go to the store now, it's more expensive if something says that it's artisanal or handcrafted or hand selected or, or curated, you know, something or other. We are the only thing that was formed by the hand of God. Making us his masterpieces. Everything else, he used spoken creativity to create the stars, to create the fish, to create the giraffes. But it was man that he said, I'm going to handcraft you out of the dust of the earth. Because also, guess what? Nothing else on earth provided a place of relationship for him to have. And he needed a being of which he could have a love relationship with. So he handcrafted us out of the dirt. Or he handcrafted man out of the dirt. And then as we sung today. It's your breath in my lungs. And it's why I cry out your praise. He breathed into man and he created them. And man goes on from there and he names all the animals. And it said that they looked to see if there was any animal. I'm going to go here on a little tangent. It says they looked to see if there was any animal who was comparable to man. And there was none. And so God put Adam to sleep and he took a rib out of his side. It was out of his side. It wasn't out of his head. Ladies, our job is not to rule over men. It wasn't out of his foot. Our job is not to be under the feet of man. But he took a rib out of the side. He said to bring him a companion who was comparable to him. It's why we as women, we are comparable. We are the helper, not just the helper. That word helper is the same word that they use for the Holy Spirit called the paraclete. It's the one who helps you in everything that you do. I help Casey. He helps me. We're a team where I'm weak. He's strong where he's strong. I'm weak. And we go at this thing and God brought them together. And when he got done with his creation of man, he said, it is very good. Everything else was just good. And even, you know, the, the story goes when he made man, he said, I will call you man. And there was man. But then when he got done with woman, he said, whoa, man, she was, whoa, man, she was, she was awesome. And God fashioned us and there was such thought, there was such thought and care. And let me say this with boldness and with compassion. Let me tell you, God crafted physically the man and the woman the way he wanted them and designed them to be. And let me tell you, in 2016, there was not some sort of conveyor belt baby process up in heaven that had a collision and all of a sudden parts started flying to the wrong babies. And now we're here figuring it out saying, God, oh, I did, you made me this way, but I don't think this is how I should be. God is a divine maker. He put everything there the way he designed it. If you're not aware, and this is why I'm hitting this, there's, there's things that, you know, people are confused about where they should go to the bathroom. People are confused about their gender and their sexuality, and it's a real thing. But guess what? God did not make any mistakes. See, this doesn't even go back to a safety issue. I have small children that I have to send into bathrooms unattended. It's not even about that. It's that you're saying, God, you made a mistake when you made me and see as a church if we believe that God is the maker and he is the one that gives purpose then we say guess what this is the way God made me and I will find my purpose for how he intended it that's the real issue 
That's the real issue. It's not about where you go to the bathroom. It's about saying, you know what? I'm acknowledging that there's a maker. I'm acknowledging that Genesis is correct. All right, so moving on from there so I don't step on any toes. Let's talk about that word image. It says that God made him in his image. All right, when do you see an image? When you look in a mirror. All right, you see your image. All right, my children are in my image. All right, come here, Jonah. He's in my image. Come here real quick, real quick. Come on, come on, come on. Come be cute. He's cute. He did, you just have to stand. You don't have to do anything. All right. This one's made in my image. And my question is, do you think he looks more like me or Casey? Dad. Okay. How many of you say mom? Me. Okay. How many say Casey? Oh, Mackie only. All right. Good job. You know what? It's funny. We, we get that all the time from people, you know, oh, she looks just like you, or he looks just like, like him. And, and it is funny, you know, because when something's created in your image, you look like them, you know, you, you look like them, but then there's also the part that you start to act like them. All right. And so our middle son here, Caleb, him and his dad are two peas in a pod, and they act a lot alike. And it's funny when our kids manifest things that we're like, they get that from you. No, they get that from your dad. They get that from your mother. We just blame all the stuff we don't like on, like, the distant family. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, they take on the personality traits of you as well. And we are the same. We have been created in the likeness and the image of God. Now, does God have a nose like you? Well, I don't know. You can ask him that. All I know is I look out into humanity and see the diversity of which God created human beings. And I think, wow, my God is a multifaceted, creative, intelligent God. But we've been made like him in that we've been made in three dimensions. Okay? Everybody say three dimensions. Is it getting as hot in here as I am? It is hot in here. (laughs) In three dimensions. I'm going to have to keep you guys awake. We've been made in three dimensions like God. God is what we call, and I'm going to give you a little doctrine here. God is what we call a triune being. Everybody say triune. Tri means three. Tricycle, triangle, triune, three-part being. So God is a three-part being. So I brought some blocks with me. First, he is a father. He is God the father. And, um, each one of these areas is what we call distinguishable but indivisible. Say that with me. Say distinguishable, distinguishable. but indivisible. But individual. So first we have God the Father. Most of us are familiar with God the Father. He's kind of, I don't know, sometimes like the big bad God of the Old Testament. Somehow some people see him. Then we have God the Son, Jesus. All right. And then we have God the Holy Spirit. All right which is who Casey was talking about. And so when we go back to when God is in heaven saying, let us make man in our image, this is who the conversation was with. He himself and I. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit were up in heaven. All of them existed. In John 1, it says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All three of them were up there, and they are one being, but they are distinguishable, but indivisible. Meaning that you cannot take them apart. You do not have the triune being of God if you just take one away. That's not the completeness of God. 
but they are distinguishable, meaning that they all have different roles and different functions. And you can see their aspects in the work of redemption and the work of creation. And even in the hand of your own life, the Bible says it's the goodness of God. The Holy spirit is the convictor. He's the one who usually is drawing us to repentance. That's one of his jobs. Jesus was the one who went to the cross. He's the one who fulfilled the master plan that they came up with in heaven that the father rolled out. They all have a different role in the redemptive process in our life, but together they work to create God almighty, the God we sing about in praise and worship, but they are a three part being and they cannot be divided. I meant to bring some rubber bands to put these together, but they cannot be divided. They don't function as one or the other. And in today's day and age, the devil tries to get us tripped up on one of these aspects of God. Our Yeah, he tries to get us hooked up. So if you've had a situation, maybe you didn't have a good father. Maybe you don't have a good father relationship. And it's hard for you. And people talk about God being the father. You're like, oh, no. And it it just, it alienates you from maybe the church or the presence of God. And so many people don't have a good fatherly relationship in their life. And so all of a sudden, the devil tries to keep you away from your Abba father, your heavenly father who loves you with an everlasting love. He tries to hinder that aspect of your relationship. Or maybe you get into a situation where you begin to doubt the authenticity of Jesus Christ. The fact that he walked, that he was fully God, he was fully man, that he came and he did what he said he would do. And we begin to look at him as just a person or just a a prophet or a good being. The devil tries to get you tripped up on God, the son, Jesus Christ, or the Holy Spirit. He's the one who really gets marginalized a lot of times. He just becomes this little force. No, the the Holy Spirit is a being. He is an existing being who works on our behalf. He's the best friend you could possibly ever have. He leads and he guides you. He's the one who's here. He said, guess what, Jesus? When you get done with that messy thing called the cross, I will stay and clean them up for thousands of years. I will be the work. I will work on them until we can get as many as we can populating heaven. He's not just some other aspect And sometimes the church is offended by the Holy Spirit. And so we see that God is a three-part being. And so are we. When I say that we are made in the image of God, it's not that we've got the nose and the eyes. Oh, you got Jesus' eyes. you got, you know, God's nose or whatever. It's that we're created in his image and his likeness that we, too, are three-part beings. Do you know this? Yeah? Okay, some of you are like, yes. We, too, are three-part beings. And that's what I want to spend just a couple of minutes talking to you about. Because if you understand how you're made, you'll understand how you're supposed to function. You'll understand when something's off. Okay? It's pointless to go and like wash and wax your car when you've got engine problems. You know what I mean? It's pointless to put gas in your car when you have no front end and you can't drive it anyway. You've got to know the difference of the different parts in order to get that thing to get you from point A to point B. And so many times as Christians, we live frustrated lives in our Christianity, excuse me, or we stay in the same place because we don't understand how we were made and how we were designed, and we spend so much focus on one aspect, and it's really another aspect that needs a little help and attention. Okay, so the first thing I want you to just reach over and I want you to give the person next to you just a little pinch, little pinch, pinch to grow an inch. Did y'all feel that? Did you feel it? I know I, I was trying to make it nice, but I wanted you to feel it. You know what? Guess what? We're all pretty good at we have a body. 
We have a body. Okay. One of our parts is we have a body. Everybody feel and touch their body. And our body is a part. Our body is our carrier. You know, it's, it's what gets us from point A to point B. And it's amazing how in this society we spend so much time and energy on this shell. On this shell. And guess what? The Bible does say in Timothy, it says that bodily exercise profits a little. We have got to spend time on this body somewhat. It's got to be healthy and functioning in order for us to do what God has purposed for us to do. There's nothing worse than being sick. There's nothing worse than having an injury. Isn't it funny how a hangnail can so paralyze you? I'm not trying to trivialize anyone's pain, but like a little hangnail or just like the tiniest cut. I mean, I'm the kind of person, if I've got a hangnail on my toe, I cannot sleep at night. If I can feel that thing catching on the sheets at night, there is not a moment's rest until I have dealt with that hangnail. All right. How much more if you have an actual major issue in your body, you can't do, you can't function mentally and spiritually with what God has designed you to do. Casey and I have a phrase in our house. It says when fatigue walks in, faith walks out. And so there will be days. It's just like, I want answers and decisions out of him and stuff like that. And if he's just tired, it's just like, don't make any decisions today. Don't make decisions when your body is fatigued. It's not the best time to make major life decisions. Can I just tell you that? That's just a little piece of nugget because your body is not functioning. And so we live in a society that we nip it, we tuck it, we inject it, we exercise it, we pull it, we, you know, whatever it does to make this body look the way we want it to look. But more importantly is, is it functioning? Is your body functioning the way God designs for it to function? Just so you know, Jesus went to the cross so that your body could be well. It's not just a matter of looking a certain way, but Jesus took every stripe on his back so that our bodies could be well because he knew that we needed this part of our life to be functioning wholly in order to do and be who he has called us to be. And so sometimes we need to look at ourselves. There might be some of you, you need to turn off Netflix and go to bed on time and get some rest. I'm not speaking to anybody out here. <laughs> hey, when you're young, you know what? You can, you can stay up a little bit later. When he gets older, it's a little more painful and harder to recover. But I'm telling you, you know you know what your body needs usually. And if you don't, you need to get wisdom from those who do. All right? You need to be, to, to be doing this aspect of your body. And guess what? Guess what? Our bodies need our attention. You only get one. And when it's gone, guess what? You're dead. When sometimes Christians run around in the back in the day, there were great men and women preachers. And I mean, they had, they experienced amazing miracles and signs and wonders, but many of them actually physically worked themselves to death. You are no use to God dead. Once you're dead, you enter into glory and you're with Jesus. Your work here is done. You're no use to God. And let me tell you, if you're someone who's bearing or dealing with physical issues in your body or maybe even struggling with your own body image or, or don't like the way you are, I'm just here to tell you that God desires that you be whole in this area. He wants for this area because he, as long as you're still standing here on earth, he's not done with you. Your life is not to be consumed with your body. Your life is not to be consumed with the pain or the inconveniences that it's causing you because guess what? He's left you on this planet. He is not taking you home to be with him because he's still got stuff he wants for you to do. He's still got people he wants you to touch. 
And so we have got to contend to be healthy in our body. But then on the flip side, we cannot make this our God. We cannot make our body our God. When your whole life is about working out or your whole life is about your nutrition plan or your whole life is consumed as we live in L.A., right? I just drive in here. I went past at least seven gyms just packed out. But having a body, it's only one of the three. It's only one of the three. Next part is, and I'm going to take these out of order, and i got to read a scripture to you. I want to read to you out of Hebrews 12, uh, 4.12. It says, For the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing between the division of the soul and spirit. Say, soul and spirit. I'm going to keep you guys awake. I'm sweating up here too, okay? And the joints and marrow. Say, joints and marrow. And as a discerner of the thoughts and intents. Say, thoughts and intents. Of the heart. Okay, so we all got a body. We can see each other's bodies in here. But then we have a spirit. Why don't you just go ahead and pinch that person's spirit right next to you. Go ahead and pinch their spirit. Yeah. Kind of a little bit harder to do, right? Right. You can't. The spirit is the part you really can't see. But the spirit is the part of you that is eternal. See, when this dies... This lives on for eternity with Christ Jesus. This is why he went to the cross and took every stripe so that your body could be made well. But he died and rose again so that your spirit could live in eternity. And even so that our spirits here in this life could live in freedom and abundance, as we say here at City of God. So what we see out of this passage is that in this passage, they say soul and spirit. Guess what the next one's going to be? And it says joints and marrow. The Bible likens your spirit to the marrow in your body. Where is marrow located? Marrow is inside your bone. Okay, your bone marrow transplant. And inside that bone, that bone marrow is what makes up your blood cells and gives you life. In Leviticus, it says the life is in the blood. And God forbid his people from drinking the blood of animals because life is in the blood. So your life, when it likens your spirit to marrow, it's saying this is where the source of true life is. This is where you find your meaning. This is where you find your purpose. If this is not fed, it doesn't matter how buff, how good looking, how in shape this body is. This will suck the life out of you if you have not fed it. If you have not given it, it also likens it to the intents of your heart. The intents are those deepest, darkest things that sometimes we're still discovering for ourselves. The Bible tells us that the heart is a wicked thing. Well, it's down in that part, kind of like the ugly parts. We all have some ugly parts in our heart, right? We'd like to pretend we're perfect, but we're not. Those things that think those mean thoughts, right? None of you have those here for me? Okay, I'll go home and pray some more. All right? And this is what the Bible enlightens our spirit to. And so there are many people, if we could see your spirit in here, you might be looking good in your body, but your spirit is just anemic. Your spirit is just a shriveled up, worn out, tired fatigue thing because you have to exercise your spirit anybody if i want to exercise this body what do i do i go for a run i lift some weights i do some aerobics i yoga you know you name it what do you do i think you already know what do you do if you want to exercise your spirit someone throw one out at me read the bible what else pray worship okay share people fat ooh fast You know, there used to be a time when solitude was a discipline to grow your spirit. 
You ever done a solitude fast? Not so fun in today's day and age. We're used to stuff coming at us. That's how you grow your spirit. But let me speak to you about this for a second. Sometimes feeding your spirit is like eating kale or getting your omega-3s by eating sardines, which are super gross, or by putting chia seeds. Those things are so slimy. All right? And they're not really what we want to do. It's not really the kind of thing we like to eat. And so I'm going to go here for a minute. So some of us eat a steady diet in the spirit of sitcoms. The name a few, New Girl, How I Met Your Mother, Breaking Bad, Game of Thrones. And we sit at, at home and we eat for hours these shows and we're entertained and entertained as a mind numbing state. And then when you come to church or you try to read your Bible the next day, it's like going from eating ice cream covered in your favorite toppings to eating kale. You're, you don't have a palate for it anymore. See the number one thing for like eating clean and getting healthy is you have to change the things that your tongue actually craves. And so I'm not saying you can't enjoy a good show or enjoy something like that. But if that is your steady diet, you Yes, if you are eating Twinkies and Ho-Hos and Doritos and Churros and ice cream in the spirit, you are not, your spirit man is not going to have the nutrients that it needs and you have to change your palate to want the things. It's why so many people say, well, I don't understand the Bible. It's written in such an old fashioned language. No, it's not. You have to get yourself liking kale. You have to change your appetite. And I'll be honest, we do this all the time in our house. We go on like a clean eating spree. And changing our appetite is the hardest thing. It's the hardest thing. And you can be deceived, and I'm going to say this with love. You can be deceived. Do you know that you can go to Whole Foods and you can get a lot of junk food? We've got this one favorite junk food, Newman's Own. That's a nice healthy brand, if anybody knows of it. Oreos. Gluten-free, baby. Gluten-free. You can go into Whole Foods and you think, because I'm going into Whole Foods, and because it says it's gluten-free, and because I'm spending $9.99 for a packet of Oreos, this is going to be healthy. You can go into Whole Foods and spend your whole paycheck and come out with a bunch of health junk food. And the same thing can happen in the church. And I'm here to tell you that sadly it happens in the churches of America more than anywhere else. We come in and we're feeding you just the gluten-free Oreos or the soy-free ice cream that still is filled with the sugar sweetness. And as the American church, we can't handle the kale. And I'm here to tell you, city of God, I'm, I'm dishing something up for you every week. Casey's dishing something up and we're putting in the juicer. We're putting some kale in there. We're putting some beets. It's called the word of God. It's called excellent worship and praise. We're throwing in some chia seeds and guess what? We don't want it to be so nasty. We'll throw in an apple or an orange just to sweeten it up because I want you to get fed. I want your spirit to get fed by the word of God. When you come in here, you know, if you juice once a week, that's great. Guess what? And then you just go and eat healthy all week long. We've got to change our palate. We've got to desire spiritual food to feed our spiritual man. And then there are people who, you know, any of you guys have a fitness friend, like a health nut friend. Sometimes they get a little weird. There's actually a disorder for people now who cannot eat clean enough. 
just like nothing is clean enough. And those are the people who like, I'll be honest, like, hey, bro, just go to a movie, all right? You really need that in your life right now. Like, I'm sorry, we can, I mean, I believe in living and moving and having my being in Jesus, but like, go have some fun too, all right? Which I'll talk about that in a second. So you got to be careful. You got to balance out. It's a three-part being. And I want to encourage you. Give yourself an appetite for things of the spirit, for godly things. None of us live in a bubble. We all go to work. We all have things we deal with. But give yourself an appetite to feed your spirit. Uh, A famous preacher once said, I am not a physical being having a temporary spiritual experience. I am a spiritual being having a temporary physical experience. The Bible says that this life is but a vapor. And when you're going through it, I don't know about you, but it doesn't feel so vaporish to me. It seems long and drawn out. But guess what? For all eternity, this spirit man, you're going to want to have him ready, her ready for heaven for all eternity Because this one stays in the ground. This one stays in the ground. It goes no further than this life and this world. But this one lives on for eternity. In heaven and hell with the Lord Jesus Christ. Wherever you're going. And so you say, okay, Paige, what's the last one? Can anybody guess what it is? Soul. Okay, remember I said spirit, soul, joints, and marrow. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Okay? Your soul is your mind, will, and emotions. All right? So I'm going to put it between the two because it likens the soul to the joints. Here we say my joints. I can have all the muscles in the world in this body. I can have the skin over the top. But if I don't have some joints to connect these things together and get this body to do what I want it to do, this is just a blob of flesh. And it's the same thing in how we're made up. You can have a body that's finely tuned for God, uh, finely tuned. You can have a soul that you're trying to feed, but a spirit that you're feeding. But you've got to have a soul that connects these two things together, that gets your entire being to work in harmony for the purpose that God created you for. Your soul has to prosper. In in 3 John, it says, I pray that you would be in health and prosper even as your soul prospers. So guess what? Your mind, your will, your emotions has to be prospering. It has to be flourishing. We believe in John 10.10. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and life more abundantly. You've got to have abundance in the soul part of your life. When your mind is tormented, when you're struggling with depression and anxiety, Anxiety. Guess what? When you're all bound up, your whole body, your whole everything gets all messed up. Yeah. I love it. In, um, in Romans, there's a scripture. I call it the do scripture. It says the things I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I don't want to do, oh, those are the things that I actually end up doing. Does anybody have that problem ever? I want to get up and work out, but I just don't do it. I don't want to eat the bag of Doritos, but I just end up doing it. Guess what? The Bible says the the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. But your soul is what helps you actually connect these two things together that you can live out the purpose that God has for you. And you have to be healthy in your mind, in your will, and in your emotions. The Bible says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. You need to love him with your emotions. That's why I don't have a problem lifting up my hands. That's why I don't have a problem shouting. That's why I don't have a problem weeping at the feet of Jesus. Because guess what? I'm loving him with my emotions. Guess what? It's why 
I like to read books and get smarter. I hate dumb Christians. I believe in faith, but you need to love God with your mind and sharpen your mind to love him and to know him and to understand him with your mind more and more. You have to be careful of cheap substitutes for the soul. That's where a lot of sin lies is in the cheap substitutes. See, you know, when you need just to have some good fellowship and a good laugh, you know, those people you can get around and you laugh so hard till you cry. If you don't know that you need to, you need some new friends. Okay. You need to get around people that they make you laugh so hard. You cry. Maybe not every time, but maybe just sometimes. Cause guess what? Your soul is just needing to laugh. It's a good thing. The Bible says a merry heart does good like a medicine. But the cheap substitute is we throw on the trashy sitcom and we laugh at it. Because guess what? It is funny. And we just do it. But guess what? What about people? What about being in a place? Your soul needs to laugh. Sometimes your soul needs to cry. And we let these things walk in unity together. And I want to challenge us as city of God. Begin to look at your life. Which part of your life is maybe not functioning or walking, having abundance. We talk about having abundance in all areas. Maybe your faith or your finances or your health. But maybe which part is just, are you saying, man, I've never kind of broken it apart like this. And I don't feel like it's flourishing. And I don't feel like these three things are working together in unity to move me along the way I need to move along. The way I want to move along. Most of us want to move forward. Most of us want to walk in our purpose, Right? I mean, yeah, okay, I hope you do. If not, I'll talk to you later about that. I want to encourage you today as we begin to close, as we begin to close, to look at these areas of your life. You were made like your heavenly father. You were made in his image. You have three parts to you. Don't deny one for the other. Just like these are are indivisible but distinguishable, these are distinguishable. And you can't take them apart. It's who makes up. When they come apart, you're dead. It's who makes you up. What area of your life is maybe the area that you're not walking in abundance? And I want to just bring up, I wish I had a cool sword, but I don't. To go back to Hebrews 4, it says, The word of God is like a two-edged sword. It's living and active. And it divides. What does it divide between? Do you guys remember? Between the soul and the spirit. See, our soul and our spirit are tricky. The more we become like Jesus, the more they somewhat blend together and it can be hard to know them apart. There's only one way to know what is of God in your life and what is not of God in your life. And it's through the sword of the spirit, the word of God. It's the only thing that can come in. And I don't know if I can do it because I don't have a sharp sword. And begin to divide. What's your thoughts? What are his thoughts? What are your ways? What are his ways? What's your emotions? What's really his plan for your life? It's only through the word of God that those two can begin to be separated according to Hebrews 4.12. And so if you would just bow your head with me right now.